Hi, I'm Chelsea, the Christian Nutritionist. Welcome to the Christian Health Club podcast. We are here to fire you up in spirit, mind, and body so that you can get out into the world and be everything God created you to be. Welcome to the club. Here we go. Hello, my friend. Welcome back to the club. How are you today? As you know, I just spent the last month with my Christian Health Club members working on mind management. And my guest today just wrote a new book called Face Off With Your Feelings, which I was amening and yeah, girl, all the way through when I was reading it because it's so in line with everything that I study and talk about and teach. And so I thought it'd be a really perfect way to round out our mind management month here to have her on, to have her back on because she is actually a returning guest. She was on episode 51 when we discussed uh, waiting well and becoming your own advocate for healing. And that was just such a fantastic conversation. Got a lot of great feedback from y'all. So I'm thrilled to have Jessica Hoddle back on with us today. She just has this passion for helping others way less emotionally, physically, spiritually. Um, She inspires and encourages thousands by sharing her own personal struggles, victories, and journey through life. And her books are just a really lovely blend of all of these components. So I'm just really happy to have her back today. Jessica, welcome back to the Christian Health Club podcast. Thank you so much for having me back. I am just pumped to be here. Yeah, I loved our discussion last time. Like I said, great feedback about it. And um, so appreciative to of your new book because this is just an area where I am always trying to remind people that essentially we cannot blow off mind management. We we have to, you know, look at our thoughts. We have to face our feelings, like exactly the name of your book. We have to face these <laughs> things because they drive all of the actions that we take. And when it comes to our health and our well-being, um, it's what it's how we experience life, right? And you had this um this great line in the book, and you said, the body is a great storyteller. And I just love that. Can you just let's start by expanding on what you mean by that? Mm-hmm. Oh, I think for me, you know, this was a pivotal moment for me when I actually began to recognize this truth was because we don't pay attention to the cues our body is giving us. Oftentimes we look at our body as the enemy. We think, oh my goodness, why does it feel like my body's against me? Why does it not want to lose weight? Why is it holding on to weight? And, you know, we start to think that, well, there's just nothing that I can do. And, When we kind of switch the narrative and begin to change the way we view our bodies, we actually begin to recognize that what God creates is good. And that means that if he created you, then your body is good as well. And when we think about being good, that means that our bodies want to help us. It doesn't want to harm us. It's not out to get us. It's not hating on us. It's not wanting to keep on extra weight. It's not wanting to yell at your kids or your husband. It's not wanting to lash out. But your body's constantly telling you a story. 
And with every reaction, with every emotion, with every feeling, good or bad, it's telling you a story about something that you believe. It's telling you about a nature and character of God. When we witness to somebody or when somebody witnesses you reacting or responding in a good or bad way, guess what? There's going to be a story that they believe about you. That's your witness. But when your palms start to sweat, when your heart starts to race, when you get nauseous, when you get fidgety, those are all stories that your body is telling you about what is going on in your nervous system, about what's happening in your brain, about what's happening in your body, about what's happening in your thoughts. And so when I say that our body is a great storyteller, it's, are we listening to the stories that our bodies are telling us? Yeah, I guess whether that is in the positive or in the negative, and then the way that you are showing up in life is kind of the... um, the story that your life plays out, that is what the way that you, you will result. I think that's interesting. Um, you know, how you're saying these, these cues that our body gives us, you know, like our palms are sweating, or maybe we have butterflies in our stomach or mm-hmm. whatever, like that, something like that. And you talked a lot about, um, in the book, um, emotions and the chemicals of emotion. And I, I've, that's something I've tried to impart to people is that, you know, our thoughts create our feelings and they create these emotions and emotions are energy and motion and there's chemicals that come along with Mm -hmm. that. And um, tell us more because you talk a lot about that in the book and kind of tell us more about that. I really am trying to remember when I started to really research this. I think it was because I'm like, why, why do we use emotions and feelings together? I wanted to really unpack my own pain and trauma, it was really me on this discovery phase of why do I keep responding this way? Why do I feel jealous? Why do I feel envy? Like why? I wanted to know why. And I began to understand even in my physical, because I had a physical healing journey as well, this response, you know, when I couldn't use the restroom or I was bloated or again, it was telling me a story. And what I began to understand is that our emotion is a chemical response to an external or internal trigger. So I always say that you're going to feel it in your body before you feel it in your feelings, meaning, you know, you will get triggered externally or internally. So externally, you'll get triggered by, for example, maybe you're walking in an alley and somebody is opposing you and this person may in your spirit, it might be like this red flag and you might go, oh, this person could be dangerous. And so maybe you speed up, maybe you turn it a different way. But that was your nervous system going, hey, should we should we run? Should we stay? And that's that, you know, uh, the sympathetic where you are. Um, I always get them mixed up for sometimes. Is the parasympathetic sympathetic? But it's that, you know, the fight yeah, or flight. The fight. Yeah. yeah, the sympathetic. Um, it's, it feels opposite because you're like, oh, sympathetic. But <laughs> it sounds nicer, right? It's but like, it's, yeah. I'm like, I just wrote a whole book on this. But I'm like, my brain is like, wait, sympathetic? Okay. Um, and should you say, or should you go? And again, that's a trigger. You see somebody and your body goes into the response of, okay, your heart starts to race. You start to like get like antsy, um, internally triggered is through your thoughts and through your visions and through your imagination, which is, you know, scripture tells us to pull down vain imaginations and make them obedient to the word of God or to Christ. And so internally triggered is maybe you're going to the bathroom, maybe you're in the shower and you just start thinking, well, that person didn't text me back. Why did they not text me back? And then you go and spiral. This person doesn't like me. 
they must not care about me. And then so now you're triggered by the text that they didn't respond back to or or whatever. You've literally triggered yourself. (laughs) And so oftentimes we're internally triggered. It's just us focusing on narratives and stories that we already carry or creating new ones. Therefore, regarding if this happened or is real, internally triggered happens probably a lot more than external trigger because we're with ourselves 24-7. But that trigger is going to create a chemical based on the thought or whatever it is that your body needs to take care of what's the information coming in. So your body is going to take care of that trigger whatever that is. So like I said, either it's going to tell it to rest and digest, it's going to tell it to fight or flight, or, you know, basically to just basically freeze because there's, as there's another one in our, in our, um, that our bodies like to do, but then it creates the feeling. So the feeling is the basically awareness of the emotional response. So now you actually get to say that you feel sad, you feel angry, you feel overwhelmed, but that's already been experienced in your body first. It's the conscious experience of a basically chemical reaction. Okay. Wow. And, and it is, you know, I think about it's that it's the thought, because if you say you see that text, that text really means nothing until you assign a thought to it, right? Which is the trigger that, um, that makes all of these other things cascade. And so, um, you know, if you have a thought about that, that's, why did she say that? Or, you know, that was blah, blah, blah. And it it triggers that stress response. And so you have this whole response, or it might mean nothing, and you're, you're making a bigger deal out of it than it should be. And you're, it's in your imagination, right? So whether real or perceived, our body responds um, either way which I think is just so Yeah, it's, it responds as though it's really happening. You can imagine something, um, maybe even if you meditate, your husband's home late, so you start thinking, oh, we got an accident. Your body will start to respond as though it's true. You know, yes. you'll start to pace, you'll start to panic, you'll start to, you know, kind of freak out. You, you know, you'll start to call people. You will respond as though it's real, even though it's not. Yeah, and your breath will probably start coming quicker, you know, that that yes. those breaths of stress and all of that is affecting your body. I know I tell I tell my clients like you you can't let your imagination go off into the land of of bad what ifs <laughs> because yeah, you, you will feel it in the body. And so when we say, you know, the body is a great storyteller, I think that is really a great way for people to consider this. You know, what is the story that your body is telling? What are you manifesting? What are you, how are you showing up? And and it all goes back to those thoughts and those feelings, which we have um, control over. There was another phrase in the book that I just, and so I guess it was just these, these phrases coming out of me. I was like, I guess the Holy Spirit is like, I like this. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about this. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But the embodiment Mm -hmm. of truth, because, you know, we're just, obviously we're just talking about the body and how the body shows up in the world. And, and I think that um, this goes along well with the body as a storyteller, because are we embodying our truth? What truth are we embodying? And you talk about partnering with the flesh or partnering with the spirit. And I was like, whoa, that's really, we need to sit with that and talk about it. So we talk about it. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> 
Yeah. You know, I kind of opened this story with when Jesus is basically going to the cross and he has the conversation uh, while he's, you know, being, being prepared. We'll just say that for the cross. And he basically says these phrases and these words that I am the embodiment of the truth. Like I am the truth. So anybody who does not agree with me, agree with my phrasing or, you know, my scripture, my word basically is a lie. So anything that I am not in agreement with or in agreement with that is not scripture is a lie. He is the embodiment of truth. And therefore, I have to then decide what am I basically taking hold of and taking thought thought or captive or that, then that goes into you know Galatians 5 talks all about the works of the flesh and the fruit of the spirit. And so then I start to think, well what am what am I embodying? Because if not, everything apart from that is a lie. If it's not in the word, or it's not the truth, then I'm just merely believing the world and what it's throwing at me. It talks about the works of the flesh, you know, being so many of our feelings and emotions, if I can just be honest, talks about jealousy, it talks about envy. Um, Even apart from Galatians 5, when it talks about envy and strife, if there's envy and strife, there's every evil work. And I think, I want to say that's in Romans, but I cannot remember. Um, but where ev- envy and strife is, there's ever e- every evil work. And so we think about our emotions and our feelings. And I was like, what am I embodying? What am I carrying? What story are these telling? What stories are they telling me? Is it saying that I'm not good enough? Is it saying I have to work harder? Is it saying I have to hustle? Is it saying, you know, I'm this poor person? Is it saying these things about me? Because if not, I'm partnering with the flesh because the flesh brings death and the spirit breeds life. So death can mean our soul, obviously our spirit, if we're not, if we haven't accepted Jesus yet, but really just death, because we know John 10, 10, where the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. So if we think about the flesh, the flesh is the same. If we partner with our flesh in the world, we will breed death, death in our relationships, meaning, um, which will go right to (laughs) self-righteousness. I know I'm kind of, there's so many layers here, but this really no, wraps this is, up and comes back around yeah. to when we think about self-righteousness, then we think about, okay, well, it's my way or nobody's way. And when we then equate this to relationships, when somebody says something that we don't agree with or that we don't believe with, we want to fight them or we want to you know, basically shun them or change them to believe what you believe. And there's just so many things to that. But again, this goes back to, am I partnering with the flesh or am I walking in the spirit? And the spirit will bring unity. Does it mean that we all believe exactly the same because we'd be robots, but do we believe the core doctrine? Did do we Are we confessing with our mouth that Jesus is the son of God? Do we believe that he rose from the grave? You know, do we believe these things? Because I think a lot of us are fighting over... Um, or disputing over not core principles of scripture and we're just at each other, but it, it really is the stories that we are telling out of our mouth was first conceived in our heart. You know, scripture says out of the heart, the mouth speaks. We cannot separate the two maybe for a short time, but long-term it's going to come out 
whether it's an explosion or you just start lashing out at people because you can't take anymore. But either way, it's going to come out of your mouth. And I think that I know that's kind of a long answer, but it really is this this what are you taking hold of and how are you partnering with your flesh or how are you partnering with your spirit? Because our soul is the gateway. Our soul is our mind, will, and our emotions. And in the book, I really break this down into kind of like diagrams or not even a diagram, but kind of arrows and pointing so that you can see like our soul really grounds it in kind of the middle of, you know, it's that valve. It's are you partnering? Is your thoughts, are your words, are your reactions partnering with the word of God, which opens the valve to breathe life into your body? Because here's the thing. If you're praying for healing, but speaking sickness, you're not going to be able to experience the fullness of God. And that was me for a long time. But if I turn off the valve from the spirit and I just partner with my soul and my flesh, I get everything that the world breeds, death, destruction, um, decay, all the things. So hopefully that makes sense. Oh, for sure. I want to kind of zero in on something you said um, and talk a little bit more about your story. In the book, um, you talk about how, you know, you had this view of God at, at one point, which I had a similar a similar view that, you know, God hands out sickness basically to, to teach us lessons, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that was a major, that's a major block in a relationship with somebody, you know? Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, absolutely. You can't have a relationship with somebody that you think is purposefully trying to, and we harm you. Um, so tell me more about that, that, because that was almost like, I, I went to Bible study for so many years, which I called my therapy with, you know, people like I had to really unravel that to, and understand that that's what I was thinking. Like, God, you know, God is you know, handing out these tragedies, you know, um, in people's yeah. lives. So to teach them a lesson, to kind of um, make them a better person and that kind of thing. And it's just, that's a problem. So tell us more kind of your story and how you had to go through that and, and come overcome that. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I think for me in the beginning, I didn't know it was wrong. You know, you don't know what you don't know. And therefore I just kept looking for the, um, the answer, I guess, to the lesson, right? I kept, okay, this is a, this is a lesson. This is a teaching moment. What am I going to learn? And it, I don't want to say it was all, I mean, I'm sure there was character building because God could use anything, but I, it was almost a false sense of relationship with God at that point, because you can, can have a relationship, but relationship, you probably have your guard up, right? Like you don't allow yourself to get close, but you'll still talk to them. Maybe it's more of an acquaintance, right. you know? Yeah. And yes. Yes. so for me, I had this kind of acquaintance with God. I knew that he was kind of good, but I didn't know if I was he was good to me. And I could mainly because I had carried so much pain from my own childhood and my view of relationships and my view of what a father was, which is very common. But for me, I don't think I fully understood the revelation of one, um, the beginning, the fall, what happened. And when sin entered the world, fear entered the world, and so did sickness and decay. And what happens is we start to take a bad situation 
and we give God all the good and the bad. So everything good and bad, we blame for God. We go, okay, this is God's purpose. This is God's will. God wanted me to have all this pain in my life. And what that is saying is that basically God is evil and he is good. And can he take bad things and make them good? Yes. But that does not mean he causes bad things because God is not the author of sin. Satan is. Sin entered the world. So if God is not the author of sin, then he cannot be the author of its consequences either. And I think that we have to understand that sickness came from sin. It did not come from God. And we had to be reconciled to G- through Jesus to God because of sin. Therefore, we have a brand new nature, right? which C- Corinthians tells us that we have a brand new nature, meaning that we no longer have a sin nature. Therefore, we don't have a sin nature. We have a new spirit. We are still, we can still sin because we have a sin habit. But we do not have a sin nature. And the more that we can get this revelation that God cannot be a part of sin. If we think about the tabernacles in the Old Testament, there would be people that if that when they went into the inner court where uh, only very few priests could go into very specific times of the year, they would put a, a rope around their ankle. And if they did anything wrong, then they would be, you know, they would be basically stricken dead. And they would have to pull out the person with the rope around their ankle. And that is basically just saying like God cannot be a part of sin or anything that's not a part of his word. Now that's not, he's not punishing us, but he's so pure and he's so good, right? And I think the more we understand that even in the Old Testament, because people go, well, look at all the things that happened. But over and over, especially in the prophets, where you read Isaiah and Jeremiah, you'll see the word, you'll see him say, I never wanted to kill these kids. Like, I never wanted this to come upon you. He's given them years and years and prophets for redemption to say, look, repent and turn the other way. But it will say that he had to repay them for the sins that they've that they've done. So basically, it was the author of sin and the, the consequence of sin. It wasn't God giving them these consequences. It was the fact that, there was no savior to take away their sin and that we, they were a slave to the, to, to the enemy, to, to Satan. They were a slave to sin, but now we're a slave to righteousness. So that's kind of a quick synopsis of God doesn't give us sickness to teach us a lesson because you can't be a part of sickness. Even in, in the healing ministry of Jesus, you never see him deny anybody. You never see him turn people away. You never see him give people sickness. What is he always doing? He's always taking. When we see in Acts and the apostles and we see them evangelizing, we see them healing. We do not see them saying, you know, okay, guys, here's your sin. You guys messed up. Here's your sickness. No, they, they were saying like, Come out of her now. I think it was either Peter or Paul. I can't. I think it was Peter where this woman was like demon possessed, and they he was. She, he, I think scripture says like how annoying she was, and finally he turned around and he said, "Just come out of her in Jesus' name, or get out or whatever." But again, good, always wanting good. Now, again, I don't want to get into all the things like yes, people still get sick. Yes, things still happen. I understand that. But we have to understand the difference that God doesn't cause sickness, that sin came from sickness came from sin, and that God is not the author 
or of sin or the con- consequence of it. Yeah, I think once I, you know, once I realize it, and just like you said, you know, you take it, take it back to the garden. I take it back to the garden, and what I real, you know, you realize yeah. is that um, everything. I was like, I really think God really wanted us to live this, you know, cushy garden life, you know, walking daily with Him, and everything provided around. But it is the moment that sin entered the world. You know, when they ate from the tree of good and evil, the knowledge of good and evil, that is when they knew evil. Before that, they didn't know, right? They didn't know nakedness yeah. was quote-unquote bad. Yeah. They covered themselves. They, It was like the this veil was lifted, and now they were able to see because of the choice. And so, um, I, you know, the brokenness of our world and the sickness and, and all the evil we see is not, I don't think God's up there with his marionette strings, like, oh, I'm going to give her cancer and I'm going to make a war here. That is not God. It is the, it is the consequences of living in a, a broken world that these things happen. And so, you know, I think once I understood that, then it removed that block that I needed because like you said, like there was an acquaintance there. Like I, you know, I know, you know, God is my father and I believe in Jesus, but there wasn't a, there wasn't a relationship. There was just that block because I mean, how can you, Mm -hmm. how can you have a close relationship with somebody that you're, you're kind of scared of in an unhealthy way? You know, there's, there's a fearful, there's, you know, just like a parent and child, there's some kind of level of fearful respect. I want to say, I hate to use the word fear, but just respect. Um, And I, you had that, but when it is fear, like, what are you going to do to me? you know, <laughs> to teach me a lesson. I mean, it's, yeah. I mean, it's look at it as a regular doctor. If you went to a doctor and they gave you some kind of shot or prescription and it made you so sick, are you going to go back to them and be like, thank you. Can you heal me now? Right. Yes. <laughs> like, you're ju- you're going to be like, no, this doctor is crazy. Like I need somebody that's going to heal me. They're obviously not going to do, you know? So you think about that and that's just relationship with God of, I think why so many people again, feel distant. They think that God is just like taking people out by the droves because he wants them sick and dead. And I just think that we need to remember the character and nature of God and also know our enemy and what the scripture says about sin and the consequences and all of that too. Yeah. Don't you know how the enemy loves when we're blaming our sickness on God? Ooh, I just yeah. thought of that. You know, all those years I had a um one of the things that led me to um, health and nutrition was I have a genetic skin condition and I have it. It is completely managed by um my food and lifestyle choices, right? And um and I had been to the doctor for 20 years. They, you know, went through all this rigmarole, they couldn't do anything for it, all that. I think you've had a similar experience um with some things. But you know, all those years, I'm like, well, it's just my cross to bear. You know, my parents, you know, it's a genetic skin condition. So it's, I'm like, this is just, this is my thing. I mean, God gives everybody things they have to deal with. So this is just mine. And it's just, you know, and yeah. um, I think a lot of people think that way. And, and, the, and a lot of times, sadly, you know, the conventional medical world just reinforces that because it's like they don't not yeah. in a uh, spiritual sense but just like yep this is just your thing it's just genetic and you can't do anything about it but then when i you know changed my diet started eating real food which you know god provides and you know that that was the um the medicine that my body needed was just real food you know from 
our creator. He created our bodies. He created the right foods for our bodies. And so um, all of that was just kind of part of my transformation. Now, I know that you, you've you had some, um, you had health issues to overcome and struggle with that. And you you kind of went into that in the last podcast we did together, but and maybe it's not a quick recap, but if you could you kind of just share some of that or or just how all this plays into what that meant for you and your health. Yeah. You know, I was listening to a podcast recently and I love the title. It's called Death by Stress. And a lot of people they don't want to hear the topic of stress because they're like, okay, yeah, if I just think better, I'm just going to be so better. And they kind of brush it off as yeah, okay, this person got sickness, so if she just would have thought better, she could have been well. I'm not saying that, but we cannot deny what Scripture says about our thoughts. He, we cannot deny how He tells us to think, how He tells us to not worry, how He tells us to not fear, that we've not been given a spirit of fear. I'm not saying it's going to come for us, but or it's not going to not come for us, but the reality was for me is that I lived in survival mode for oh, 26 years of my life, 27. I mean, I would say in my mother's womb, I was probably enduring a lot of stress because from the moment that I can remember, my dad was physically abusive to my mom and they were always yelling. So I'm assuming that because even when you're in the womb, your body and your nervous system still carries that. Even if you don't re- know it as an adult or necessarily remember, but your body will. And I, I kind of say that I came out of my mother's womb in kind of fight or flight, you know, in this survival And I carry that with me basically my entire life up until I met my husband and really when I got married because it was the first time that I felt emotionally safe and physically safe. And it was the first time that I was like, oh, okay, like I can kind of take a breath. I can breathe. I don't have to hustle. I'm not alone anymore. Um, You know, I depended on myself income wise. So I hustled, hustled, hustled. I did all the things. I worked all the jobs. I wanted to make this better life for myself to prove people wrong. And when that all came to kind of this halt or ahead, my physical body broke down per se because I truly believe with everything inside of me, it was the first time that my body didn't have to be in overdrive. And so when something comes out of overdrive, it was like collapse. I want you to think of a sprinter running across Um, And they have like this, you know, maybe a mile sprint that they're doing. How fast can they do a mile or 400 meters or whatever? And what do they typically do after that sprint? You'll see them drop to their knees. You'll see them lay on their back. You'll see them put their hands on their head because their body is tired. And they just did everything that they could to basically win. That was me, but for 26 years. So you can imagine when I hit this kind of, it's not really even a finish line, but this this line, my body just kind of collapsed because it was like, whew, we can rest now. And I started to have uh, pancreas issues and thyroid and adrenal. And I was, I mean, every symptom, I was bloated. I was tired. I started to have benign positional vertigo. Like all of these things started to happen. I passed out on an airplane bathroom floor. Okay. Oh my so gosh. gross. I just remember waking <laughs> up, but I also, it was so emotional for me because my view of food was so unhealthy. My view of my body was so unhealthy. I was coming home from a business conference and you know, it was, there was no available foods that were gluten-free and dairy-free and what was I going to eat? And these had too many carbs. All of that led to so much emotional sickness, which bled into physical for me. 
And that's kind of a little story that I had to walk through of going to so many doctor's appointments and getting told that, well, I don't know what's wrong and just take these and take that. And, you know, just kind of some horror stories in there. But then I found my kinesiologist who did muscle testing and found out it was my pancreas. And so we took care of my pancreas and still a long journey with that. Um, But I had to heal and, you know, be able to eat, know that it was okay to eat dairy at times if I had to or gluten and, and my body changed. I have to be honest, you know, my body started to pick up a little bit more weight. And I was like, wow, this, this is kind of the healing process for me. And I had to be okay with that because that was hard, you know, going from kind of body dysmorphia into, hey, it's okay. Like I'm, you know, uh, 10 pounds heavier or eight pounds heavier. My thighs are bigger, but I laugh. I have energy. I sleep like you cannot put a price tag on that. So that's kind of a little bit of my story. Yeah. There's so much there I could spin off and talk about, (laughs) but just the most recent thing that you just said, I, you know, this, it just made me think of, I know that some people when they're very, when they're sick or it, you know, like all that stress or they'll go through a sickness and they're, they're at this weight and, um, and they're like, and that's the way they kind of become used to, but it's not a healthy weight because it is, it is a weight of carrying the weight of the world, survival survival and sickness. And your body is running off adrenaline. It's like exactly what you were saying. Like, it's almost like your body knows, like you have, you have to keep going right now. You have to, whether it's a race or just some kind of stressful time. And then when you get past that, it's like, you're, you're like exhausted. Your body collapsed because you made it kind of past whatever that event or whatever it might be in your body yeah. just absolutely gives out. It, it, it kept that adrenaline running while it had to. And then it's like, I'm done. But a lot of people will um, take that weight of sickness that they were at and think that that's their, that's like, oh, well, I can be this lower weight. Like I got there. So obviously that's the weight might, you know, they get used to maybe this unhealthy weight, even though by the world standards, right? The worldly standards, it's what we see as um, a target weight or what we want to weigh because it's real thin and it's, but it's not healthy. And, you know, you just don't know what that person is going on and what's going on in the inside of that person. And then when they actually get to a healthy weight and you're healthy emotionally and physically and spiritually, and it might be a little bit higher, that can be a, a little bit of a journey to grapple with, right? To get there. I've seen that a lot. Um, And, but it it is just, it is something that you, you have to work through with those thoughts, right? I mean, I'm sure it it was, Mm -hmm. you had to work through it for you. I think that's what makes you so, um, so wonderful in the world and the way that you work with people is because you've had this experience. And so you are that person that, you know, really helps people kind of see through that, I guess. Is that kind of the right way to say that. Yeah. I mean, especially, I mean, I had to focus on my thoughts. You know, I said this earlier, but I was praying for healing and and receiving that and like standing on it. But I was also some days being like, man, I feel so sick or it just, you can't, I think you can be real without saying, you can say, I feel this way, but I'm believing for healing. I think our words and how we talk, they matter so much because, you know, scripture says that we speak life or death out of our mouth. And this isn't me just being like, yeah, it's just the words that you think and that's going to, no, it all goes together. It it all happens. And 
it's just the reality that I had to confront the not so nice things in my heart, my own unforgiveness. I mean, I'll tell you what, unforgiveness can, I want to say kill us faster than anything, but Take you down <laughs> and hostility. Yeah. Uh, we don't recognize like fear. I mean, how quick that fear can cause our immune system to break down. And if you want a good book on that, read Deadly Emotions. It's a really good book on just how much our thoughts impact our physical body. And he uses scriptures throughout, but it's just really good to partner the two, you know, of, of this holistic spirit, soul, body perspective of what's happening when sickness is coming or the truth about it. But it took me a while to really stand on, no, I am believing for this. And I have to be honest and say this as well is I didn't tell many people, I didn't share my journey of healing on Instagram or Facebook it's not, it really wasn't public knowledge. I might have shared a few posts that I was dealing with thyroid things, but I didn't need people's opinion on my healing. I just wanted to believe it, that it was going to be healed, that I was fine. And so very, very few people knew really what was I was experiencing because I didn't want somebody to come along and basically disrupt or bring in unbelief or doubt to what I was believing. Yeah, I think that's a good point um, to consider, you know, when we when we are trying to make a change, I, I think a lot of us know maybe who those people are that will be stand with us and encouragement. But because um, you always hear, yeah, put it out there, get some accountability or let people know, you know, if, uh, maybe not in a serious health situation, but you yeah. But, well, actually that too, but it just, whether it's like a, a health goal um, or a serious health crisis that you're um, trying to get through and overcome, you know, I think you do have to be careful who you share that with because you have to protect what is, what is coming to, to you, you know, what, through words, um, through encouragement or discouragement or putting those, um, those thoughts in your brain, like, uh, you know, this, this isn't going to work or, or whatever it may be. Um, so that's kind of an interesting, interesting way to think about it, you know, consider. Well, yeah. I mean, when we think about faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, well, how does doubt come? Doubt comes by hearing. Mm -hmm. So we, the way that we hear faith, if faith comes by hearing, well, guess what? So will doubt. Doubt will also come by hearing. And so if you're standing on faith and you're believing that, you know, you want, you're going to be healed and somebody comes in and says, well, you just look so sick. And are you sure that you're doing this? And that's so this and that you start to question. And all of a sudden you get unbelief in your heart and doubt. And when it talks about being double-minded, you can become unstable in all your ways. And it's just this reality that, I mean, I'm still learning this. I'm, it's that renewal and sanctification process. And I'm not saying that everything you believe comes about, but I'm telling you what, when you stand on healing, like for me, that was huge, even emotional healing. Um, but I, I was believing that. And I, I didn't want somebody to come in and say, you're crazy, or you need to do this, or you need to do that. Like I had my regiment, I had my doctors that were helping me. And I had my best friend continuing to encourage me and my, of course, my husband and some people in the church and stuff. But yeah, I mean, we just have to be so careful to protect, um, 
really our experience because we don't need people's opinions. We don't need to be real and honest about everything on social media. You can tell people what you're going through without telling people what you're going through, you know? Yes, that's correct. I just did that in a podcast and I, you know, I was sharing some things about kind of going through some parenting challenges right now. Um, Bless our hearts. But um, yeah, you know, I shared I was going through a hard time. I didn't have to get into the specifics. I think all parents can, you know, kind of relate to these ups and downs of parenting. But I, yes, I get what you're saying. Um, here's one thing that I was thinking of, you know, when we're we're trying to stand on faith and believe, but, you know, our, we have a migraine. You know, you, you just feel that pain. You know, I I think of people that are are in pain and maybe this was you. And I guess, you know, I haven't had a lot of like physical, well, I say that, I mean, I've, I've had skin things and I've had, you know, digestive things and things like that. And and so it is hard when you are in, you're feeling that to yeah. think, I am doing great. <laughs> you know, I oh, am yeah. fine. Oh yeah. I am yeah. healed. I, I mean, so, you know what I think a lot of people think that too. Oh yeah. That's good to say, wait till you have a migraine for three days. You know, what, do, yeah. you know, what oh, do we yeah. do with, how, how do we, what do we do with those people? Like, do we fake it till we make it? Like, what are we doing with our thoughts for that when, in that kind of situation? Yeah. Well, I think it all comes down to relationship because we're not doing it in our own strength. We're not doing it in our own power and authority. So if we know the sickness comes from the enemy, we can still not receive it even though we're experiencing it. You know, I think as crazy as that sounds, but it's just radical faith to me. Like I want to believe for the healing, even if I'm experiencing the frustration of uh, a head cold. Like this, even two weeks ago, I had some drainage and I just felt super yucky. But I was like, I want to move in the direction of my faith. And so I would get up and do some things and I'd rest and I would get up and do some things and rest. And even when I worked, I can remember before I really knew Jesus and I worked at Joanne Fabrics and I would get, um, you know, just unwell. I wouldn't feel well. I remember like you, you don't, I don't have an option at that point. So I just remember saying, I'm, I'm fine. And I would drink my water and two days later I'd be fine, you know, but I didn't know like what I was doing, I think there's a very healthy line of being honest. Like I don't feel well and not saying, Oh, I'm so sick. I'm so sick all the time. I'm so sick that there's a difference, right? You can say, man, I, this headache is really, it is really being um, a pain in the butt right now, but I know that like, this isn't going to last forever and that I am healed and I can walk this out. And right now I'm going to rest. So there's like this kindness process. Cause right. Like through the spirit, there's, there's kindness. And when we read in Corinthians about love, love is, has kindness. And so how are we being kind to ourselves? but how are we also not allowing ourselves to go down these rabbit holes where I trust me many times I was like, it's going to be like this forever. I'm never going to know what it feels like to feel quote unquote normal. And when we go down those basically pathways, we just create more of those neural pathways. And then it begins to almost put in concrete that this is the way that you're going to live. And we start to accept it as a, as like a social norm. And as soon as we accept it as a normal, then instead of common, we don't challenge it anymore. We go, this is just the way life is. I'm just supposed to be stressed all the time. I'm supposed to be tired 24 seven, but it's like, but are you, 
or is that just something that you, we have accepted? Right, exactly. I like what you said. Um, I'm experiencing it, but I'm not receiving it. I love that. There's yeah. a real difference there. Um, and yes, those neural pathways. I mean, we re- the more that we think those things, we reinforce those pathways in our brain. Um, like we, we basically make these grooves in our brain. I heard, I heard like a, a kind of a, a good visual analogy is like a if you're rolling a marble you know, down something after a while, it's going to kind of create these grooves where that marble is rolling and rolling, rolling. We have all these these thoughts, these marbles rolling around in our head, creating these grooves and they get deeper and deeper. And, um, and so the more that we think certain thoughts, the deeper those grooves become those pathways in our brain. And so it's only by changing the thoughts um, that changes those neural pathways in the brain. So it's it's not... You know, I, like you said earlier, a lot of people just kind of want to blow this off. And I, well, those are my words because I say that all the time. People want to blow off, you know, mindset and mind management. But that's why you can't. It's all intertwined. You can't separate the spirit, the mind, and the body. They all work together um, to create yeah. your full picture of health or not health. And I think it's um, kind of circling back to what I felt is like the a theme here of embodying the truth. I mean, what do you, what is the truth that you believe about your body, about God and who he is? Um, you know, in your book, you said God is a healer and he is a pain taker. You know, he's not the pain giver. He's not into pain management. I think that's what you said. And yeah, yeah. I think that the way we show up in our body is is showing and sharing with people what we believe is truth, right? Embodiment of the truth. Mm -hmm. And so um, do we show up kind of, you know, shriveled into ourselves and our head down and, you know, ashamed of our bodies? Are we, you know, in pain? Are we, you know, just kind of down about the world? Or or is our body open and our head up and, you know, just – showing up in the way that God created us to be. I just, I think that we need to think about, you know, everything from our posture to the way we speak to people, to the way we speak to ourselves. That is the embodiment of your truth. The way that you show up in the world is your embodiment. I don't know. that. What do you think about that? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I was thinking about when you're talking about neural pathways. I think I write in the book. Um, I say, I think I write because I can't remember if we ended up taking one section out because it's been a long two years, y'all, of writing this book. But um, I talk about how the that thought kind of starts as a dirt path at first. And the more that you think about it, it becomes a one-lane highway and then like a two-lane highway. And then sooner or later, it's like a six-way high or, you know, a three-lane highway where it's, I mean, now it's so big and it has so much room and all these thoughts now are kind of death thoughts, you know, and there's so much more room now because that, that pathway is so much bigger than that little dirt path that we started with. Um, but yeah, when you're talking about even embodying the truth, I, I mean, again, you can't separate how, from what you think between what you feel between what you experience, because our thoughts, our life will go in our most dominant thought. And our actions will follow. Our body comes along for the ride. Our body is just kind of the outward expression of what's happening internally. You know, so whatever we're telling it to do, it's going to do. And so 
it's whether, you know, I say we carry kind of two truths. We have the truth of our situation. Yes, you experienced pain and this person did this to you. And this was a real event in your life. But there's also the the big T truth, which is God's truth about your circumstance, about your situation. And we get to carry them both at the same time, but while, you know, God's word leads the way. And I think that's why I just get really passionate about this particular because I've seen it in my own life. I've had to do this in my own life. I've had to to kind of wring this out and work it out in my own life of how to talk to myself, how to be kind to myself. I mean, my husband, I always say to him, how are you being kind to yourself? Because he can be really hard on himself. We both have this kind of entrepreneur spirit in us. And so it can just be, you know, really hard at times. And he, he'll he tell you like every day, I'm like, well, how are you being kind to yourself? Because words matter and our posture matters and how we take care of our bodies matters because sometimes resting is being kind, but sometimes getting out there and doing the workout or moving your body is kindness. Um, But I think knowing the truth that you embody is going to change the way that you think and live. 100%. I couldn't agree more. And I would just kind of leave everybody with that question today is, you know, how is how you're showing up in the world. What truth does that show that you're embodying? You know, what truth are you living out by the way you're showing up in the world? Is it the way that you want to? Um, and I think those are just some good reflective questions to ask yourself to take a take a hot second and think about it so that if it's not, if you are not showing up in the world that the way that you know you're meant to, then um, it is the, the place to start is with your thoughts and your feelings and, um, and facing off of those feelings, just like Jessica says in her book. Um, and I think yeah. that's, um, just a perfect kind of way to, to wrap this up. And thank you so much. I think the more we, um, I, I would love to talk about this and I, I love to invite guests on to talk about this and re- recommend books and such, because I think the more that we kind of inundate our, our minds and our, our, um, are kind of wherewithal about this and and reinforce this fact that, you know, this is the truth, that the way that you think will drive the way that you act and the way that you experience life. And so the more that we learn about this and find, um, you know, people that we can resonate with, like in your book, like I said, it was just, um, it just was, yeah, exactly, right on, 100%, you know, um, I think it just reinforces and, and makes those new neural pathways, just that alone saying, okay, yes, I need to change my thoughts. I need to change my thoughts. This is important to be mindful, um, to read scripture, to align myself with the mind of Christ. The more we hear that, um, I think the more that it becomes our um, our norm. And, um, and I think that's always a positive thing. Jessica, tell us more about where we can find you and connect with you, where we can get the book. You have several books, um, really great books. So just kind of tell us everything um, about how to connect with you. Yeah. If you go to jessicahoddle.com, you'll actually be able to pre-order the book right now. And when you pre-order the book, you'll also be able to get the, I have study questions that are going to come. So instead of including them in the book at the end of each chapter, I actually have them so that you can print them up and, you know, use them in your study time or print them up multiple times, you know, and rewrite them. But I definitely love hard questions. And 
in this study guide, basically, there are definitely hard questions that are going to challenge you after each chapter that you'll be able to brainstorm and work through. So I'm also on Instagram at Jessica Hoddle, but yeah, just go to jessicahoddle.com and you'll be able to pre-order the book. Oh, and I can't let you go without asking you the anchor questions. So uh, before you go, what is your anchor meal these days, your go-to healthy meal? I would say anything chicken. I know that sounds so broad, but usually I can do like chicken and then I have like this breading that I'll put on and then I'll just make it like a chicken cordon bleu and I'll put like ham and cheese or I'll put some marinara and some cheese to make it like chicken parm. But that's usually kind of my quick go-to. That's super easy. That's a good one because I always tell everybody, if you got some some protein on hand, you can really... Um, you know, go a lot of ways with that. So that's a, that's a good one. Um, how about an anchor verse? What is a, a favorite Bible verse? We talked a lot about um, a lot of Bible verses today, but just one that you might be leaning into particularly right now, where that is always your anchor. I would say the one that really comes to my mind frequently is the, it's in Psalms and it talks about, you know, bless the Lord, all my soul, bless the Lord and forget not his benefits you know, who heals the diseases, who takes your iniquities is what the word says, but who crowns you with um, loving kindness and tender mercies, who renews your youth like the eagles. And I feel like that just hits all of it. And it also says that it redeems your life for for destruction. So it's like, okay, you redeem my life from destruction. Here are all your benefits. You renew my youth like an eagles. You heal me of my diseases. You take my iniquities, like that is the embodiment for me. So I always go to that when I'm like, okay, you redeem my life, you heal me, you renew my youth, you crown me with loving kindness and tender mercy. Um, So that's just a scripture that I will go to frequently. Mm, That's a beautiful one. I love it. Thank you so much for being with us today. Everybody go um, check out Jessica, um, order her book, Face Off With Your Feelings and do your mind management work. It is so important. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I hope you have a healthy and blessed week, and I will talk to you soon. Remember that my mom is an awesome nutritionist, but she's not a doctor. The information in this podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Always talk to your doctor before making changes to your nutrition or exercise program. Thanks for listening. Have a healthy and blessed week.